passage if you have your uh, Bibles open to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, the context here is important to understand. The, uh, the Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, and, and it actually becomes quite confusing. There was actually four, four different letters and four different visits, or maybe five different visits that are referred to in this, <laughs> in this epistle. It becomes quite confusing. But the, the bottom line is the church in Corinth was a mess. <laughs> okay. The Apostle Paul had founded the church. He had, uh, he had spent about 18 months there. He had left, and uh, he, he had to go back, or he, um, he sent Timothy back uh, to deal with certain things. He wrote the book of 1 Corinthians to address some of the things that were going on in the church. Uh, but there still remained, uh, after that, some real problems, and so Titus went back to uh, speak to the church and deal with some of these problems, and uh, so the Apostle Paul was waiting in Troas for the, the report from Titus. Titus was going to meet him there and hopefully give a good report, but Titus did not show up. And what Paul would have given for a cell phone during those times. He was, he was in such uh, anxiety and such distress. Uh, and he, re he uses those words. Because knowing he didn't know what was going on in the church. He didn't know what Titus was going to say. He couldn't talk to Titus. And he desperately needed comfort from <laughs> this coworker that didn't show up. And so... There was great stress and distress as a result of that, but eventually he did meet up with Titus in Macedonia's, Macedonia, and Titus had a good report. But uh, he, uh, so Paul is uh, writing the second letter, and uh, I guess in, as a result of that uh, meeting, but um, and. Let me say that there's um, what the Apostle Paul is going to be talking about here in this passage is the encouragement that comes from God himself. But, but that doesn't discount the encouragement that comes from one another. And Wes did a very apt job of um, looking at 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11 last week, the encouragement that comes from horizontally from one another, and the one another building up like Chalky was talking about. Um, in this epistle, that same word is used about uh, 29 times total in the verb form and the noun form. So there's very much a, a, a role for comforting one another, and certainly uh, the, the fact that Paul was wanting to meet with Titus and needing to meet with Titus and have comfort and encouragement from him on that is, illustrates how important that that comforting one another is, encouraging one another is, but the, but, uh, but what we're dealing with here and what the Apostle Paul is writing about is uh, the comfort that comes from God himself, and so let's, uh, let's look at this, why, why does Paul say that he does not lose heart, he, 
there again, he at times did become discouraged, but for the most part, he was encouraged by God. He was never uh, discouraged to the point of quitting and giving up, okay? So why is that? He says in verse 1, therefore, um, having this ministry by the mercy of God, so we have to look at, uh, go back to verse or chapter 3 a little bit to understand what is this ministry, what is, kind of ministry is this, and um, so does <laughs> we could get into chapter 3 and spend the whole time there dealing with this, this ministry, but let me just summarize what this is all about. Paul is uh, saying he's, he's a uh, servant, a minister of this new covenant, and the new covenant is as contrasted with the old. The old covenant was uh, given by God to Moses, to the nation of Israel, and it's described here as a, a ministry of death. Uh, it's a, It was an external form. People uh, had to uh, adhere to external standards, the laws. I think there was 637 laws altogether that they had were uh, trying to obey to become righteous. And there was no life in that. Paul said there was some glory in it because Moses went into the presence of God to receive the law and his face shone. There was a reflection of God's glory from that. But he said, uh, basically, there, there's no there's no ability for this, this covenant to give life, to sustain life, to transform lives. But in contrast, the new covenant, which uh, Jesus spoke of, he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. But Paul says he's a servant of this new covenant, okay, this new agreement that God has with mankind. And this new covenant was promised to the nation of Israel. Um, and it basically said there that God would put a new, uh, a new heart, give them a new heart. I will put my spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And so we as a church are participating in this new covenant. It's not, it's the new covenant for Israel is yet to be fulfilled totally, we believe. But the church is participating in this. And Paul says he's a minister of this, a servant of this new covenant. So in verse 17, says, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is, there is liberty in this new covenant that there never was in the old covenant. And uh, there was a bondage. And uh, Paul says, until this day, um, the veil remains. There's this bondage up until the day he wrote this, but it's up until our day. <laughs> There's still a bondage for the for the Jews that are trying to keep the law, it's a it's a terrible bondage. It's 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 uh, your heart goes out to them because I was on a <coughs> plane ride to Israel recently and I uh, was speaking to a an American Jew, an Orthodox Jew that was on his way to Israel to participate in a bar mitzvah and some visit friends. But I asked him about his faith and he says, "Well, I'm an Orthodox Jew." I'm trying to keep all 637 
the laws, I think that's the number. And uh, I said, well, how's that going? And he said, well, don't know, but I'm, I'm hoping that it's going okay. But he, but uh, you can go um, and see the Orthodox Jews in Israel. They're just, they're just so intent on keeping all of these laws, which is impossible, of course, to keep them all. The fulfillment of the law is in Jesus Christ. But, uh, but that veil hasn't been removed for, for them yet. They are still... Uh, thinking that they can achieve righteousness and have life by keeping this this law, but in the spirit of the Lord there is liberty, there's freedom. But then, verse, notice verse 18. This is uh, what I wanted to look at some with you. And we all, uh, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So what's what's this saying? We we all, and Paul, by the way, uh, he uses the pronoun we throughout this epistle, really referring to himself. And so we have to be kind of careful and not, uh, I guess, apply every. Uh, <laughs> be careful in our application. But here in this verse, he's saying we all, <laughs> all of us who believe are beholding the glory of the Lord. And we're being transformed as we behold the glory of the Lord. There is a, a spiritual transformation going on that the old covenant could never do, and there's nothing else in the world that can do this. There's no other religion. They're all external forms of one kind or another. They're their works form. People trying to change, trying to be become like God, become more like God, become righteous, have life. There's nothing else that was, is transforming except this. We all, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Just in the same way a tadpole it becomes a frog. <laughs> we, who are fallen, depraved creatures, come to Christ. He puts the life within us and he proceeds to transform us into his likeness. Okay, what's, um, what does God look like? Someone may ask. Well, no one has seen God at any time, John tells us. But the, uh, let's see. Um, but the God, the, uh, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father He's explained him. The Lord Jesus Christ has exegeted. He's explained him. He's revealed him. So, and of course, uh, in that same chapter of John, it says the word, uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, full of grace and truth. So, so what does God look like? He looks like Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the exact. Uh, rep representation of his nature, the radiance of his glory, Hebrews tells us. So, Jesus Christ is no longer here among us on the earth. What does God look like? It's, this verse is saying we can become transformed into the very image of God so that the world will know what God is like. Okay. And I say, wow. Why is this verse 
so overlooked and, and uh, ignored among the church. I don't know. I often wonder, well, am I, well, I'm not understanding this. But, but the commentator, Warren Wiersbe, asked the same question. Why is it that this is the most amazing verse, really, perhaps in the whole Bible? Not really, but it's one of the, the, one of the amazing verses. And it's part of the New Covenant ministry Paul says he's a part of. He says, I'm, I'm about serving in this covenant that can change people, transform people into the very likeness of God so that the glory of God will be displayed, so that people will know what God is like. Okay. And, and uh, so um, he goes on to say in uh, verses 4 through 6, he talks more about this ministry of the new covenant. And here the... Uh, The wording is that uh, he said, um, okay, in this case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And then verse 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So he says that this... Uh, there's a message in this new, new covenant. It's a light. The gospel is a light that shines into the hearts of people that are formerly in darkness, just like the creation. He's kind of using the metaphor of the creation where the, the world was formless and void and darkness, and God said, let there be light. Is, he said he does the same thing in, in, belief, in human beings that are in darkness, he can, the gospel message is a light that shines into their heart to reveal the knowledge of the glory of God. Okay. And so it's a great miracle for any of us when we come to Christ to have that light shine in our hearts. It's a work of God. How, but how, uh, how well it was illustrated by the testimonies of our brothers and sisters from Macau. And they, um, many of them were first generation um, believers, they were in darkness, they were in uh, Buddhism, idolatry of various kinds, and at some point, God shone <laughs> the light into their hearts to reveal the glory of God, reveal his love, reveal his grace, reveal his mercy. Okay, what a work of God, what a work of God. This is, this is part of the new covenant ministry. Um, well, so what else do we know about um, this ministry? Um, in verse 1, if we can go back to verse 1, um, he says, really in the New American Standard Version, it's probably the most accurate, um, he says, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we received mercy, we do not lose heart. Okay, Paul is saying, since we have this ministry, as we received mercy. But the, 
there's something very significant about the, the grammar in this, in this verse, and Paul Mayhew did help me <laughs> with the exegesis. And so if you have questions about it, you can ask him but, uh, about the exegesis. But the main verb here is not, that, is not that we receive ministry. The main verb is we uh, received mercy. And uh, the form of the, the, uh, the grammar is that we were mercied. <laughs> it might be a way of saying that. At some point in time, okay, this is Apostle Paul speaking, but we know at the, at the point in time that he was, uh, received his call was at the time of salvation. But at that point, he, he was given mercy. He obtained mercy at the same time he received this ministry. And so what does that mean? What's the implication? Well, this mercy uh, is, accompanies the ministry. And from what we can gather, it's, it's what sustains him. It's what gives the comfort. The strength and the power are, are come from the grace of God, but the, uh, I think it's accurate to say, but the sustaining ministry is from is by his mercy, the mercy of God. Going back to chapter 1, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. This is the source of the mercy, but there is a mercy given to Paul that goes with him through all the afflictions and all the difficulties, all the adversity, and it's what sustains him, gives him comfort, gives him encouragement. So... Um, What's the application for us, kind of as we go and ask that? We, uh, we believe from Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 12, where it says that pastors and teachers are given for the, um, the equipping of the saints for the work of service, for the work of ministry. It's the same word that's used here. And, and so on the back of your bulletins, ministers the congregation of believers okay that ministers is the is the word service minister we use them interchangeably and that's accurate we, the bible does too sometimes it uses the word servant or service sometimes ministers but it's the same word and it's and we we do the same thing thank you for your service thank you for your ministry but we believe in this at grace point that we all our, our ministers called to ministry and and I take it that uh, we are called to this ministry of uh, the new covenant to be servants of this new covenant and I don't think that's a stretch we if you go on into chapter 5 uh, he mentions the minister ministry of reconciliation we are uh, ambassadors for Christ um, that technically would be Paul speaking of himself, but we apply it to ourselves we, as, as believers. We are given the ministry of reconciliation. I think it's a similar thing here. We are given this ministry of the new covenant. We are to, okay, so all of looking at uh, you all are represent pretty much so many ministries in this church. We have... Uh, deacons, elders, we have missions, we have uh, 
Stephen Ministry. We have uh, buildings and grounds. We have uh, ministry to youth, junior church, middle school, high school. Um, we have Good News Club. Uh, oh, uh, I lost my notes. I have, oh, what am I forgetting? Worship. Uh, uh, what a great worship uh, time. This time's at end. Uh, the songs that were selected pro were selected before um, the, I suppose the text for, or the message for today was known, but those first two songs couldn't have fit better into what we're, uh, we're talking about today. Um, so women's ministry, men's ministry, life group, uh, all the things that we do here, you are involved in, you are ministers, and I take it ministers of this new covenant. We are serving together in this new covenant. Okay. So what's, uh, what's significant? Well, um, seems to me this, uh, this is so much bigger than ourselves. <laughs> if we take the fact that uh, God can shine his light into the life of a, a person bring about regeneration and he can transform them into his image how how significant is that how great is that well we are a part of that we have been we have are mercied <laughs> you might say God has given us mercy to sustain us in this ministry and so um So I, I take it this ministry is a gift. It's given by God. It's uh, it's uh, is there anything that's more significant? Anything more greater than this? And if I could be personal here, um, I've already been a little bit, but uh, I was encouraged to to explain why this passage has been so meaningful to me. But if we, uh, if you'll allow me. As I say, this, this passage has been very encouraging to me in recent years, particularly the recent months. But, but uh, it does give the remedy. It does explain what, uh, um, what do we do about our discouragement? How, how has God provided for our discouragement? And I think if we, uh, well, for me, I think if we become discouraged, uh, we are murmuring against God. We are grumbling against God. And I stand here and I repent of my discouragement and my unbelief and my lack of faith and my pride. And those are the only things that uh, uh, prevent me from having good courage. Okay, So I... Um, well, it's, I've been giving him, uh, I've been given a minister, ministry, a role as an elder, and uh, it's a gift. And God has given me everything that's needed to sustain me in that role. Okay, so I, so I was convicted. How, how dare I? How could I grumble against God? <laughs> okay, in this, and that's uh, so that's. That's uh, 
a little bit of bi <laughs> personal, but Paul is being uh, biographical and personal in this letter and being honest, and I think, okay, let's, let's be honest. And so that's, uh, but Paul says, I believe it. I believe I've been given this ministry. That's what gives me courage. I've been mercyed by God. That's what gives me courage. Okay. And, uh, but he, if we could go on to uh, verses 7 through 12, there's some other, we'll just summarize here. But he's, he says we've, we, are, uh, we have this treasure in uh, jars of clay. And again, what is the treasure? Well, in the context, it's the gospel. It's the uh, glorious gospel. And in jars of clay, there are vessels that are, uh, okay, uh, earthen vessels. They're fragile. They're homely. They're the dollar store uh, clots, <laughs> pots that you buy and you drop them, they break. Okay. So there's no beauty, no strength, no anything about the, the vessel itself. But he says, so that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So he he goes on in this passage and talks about the weaknesses, uh, his weaknesses, his afflictions, and so on. And he says that's that's okay. Um, that I'm weak, and that I'm. Oh, he goes on to say we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed; perplexed, but not driven to despair; persecuted, but not forsaken; struck down, but not destroyed. So on, and. If you read the, uh, the whole epistle, he talks about beatings, he was stoned, he was uh, shipwrecked, but, but basically uh, he was persecuted. People didn't like him very well. <laughs> they wanted him dead. <laughs> they didn't like his message, and so what did they do? They, they uh, attacked the character his, of the messenger, questioned his integrity. Uh, Politics is nothing new. <laughs> That's what people do today. So, but um, can you think of the heartbreak that he had establishing this church in Corinth? Paul's teachers come in and start accusing Paul of things. Well, he he wants this collection just because he wants to pocket the money. He uh, he really, you know, if the apostle Paul was uh, really an apostle, he wouldn't be getting beat up as much as he is. So I mean, how that had to sting. I mean, but but so they were questioning his his uh, integrity, his character, his qualifications. But uh, but he says he was afflicted, carrying about in his body the death of Jesus. Through really some of it was uh, the beatings and so on that he endured. But uh, but he says we were always. Uh, being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. He says all this weakness of this vessel and all the afflictions, they're okay because the, the power of God can be evidenced and the life of Jesus can be evidenced because of the weakness of this vessel. <laughs> so what if it breaks and gets shattered at times it's going to expose more of the treasure okay. the gospel is going to be more known okay so that's uh, um, 
that's another reason that Paul had courage. He said, said, it's not about me and the weakness of this vessel. (laughs) And so that gives us, uh, I think that should give us courage too. Um, The fact, well, there's weakness in all of us. There's affliction. So uh, as I look look about you, there's there's physical uh, disabilities. There's affliction of the heart and the body. There's the limitations and and inabilities and so on. And actually, I stand before you today uh, just as a an example of weakness. Uh, for years, uh, my life verse I always quipped was uh, what Moses uh, said to God was, uh, "Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, nor since you have spoken to your servant." For I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And I, I would say, oh, ha, ha, I don't ever have to get up front because, you know, I'm slow of speech, slow of tongue, not eloquent. And uh, at some point, uh, God said, ha, ha, the joke's on you. Who was it that, who was it that made your mouth? <laughs> so, okay, so that the power of God can be displayed, okay, in weakness, in weakness. But so... Um, you all have ministries, you're working in your ministries, you have uh, in your mind certain weaknesses, and you are, we all are, okay, but that's not a problem for God, okay, he says, be, cur- be encouraged by that, be of good courage, we have reason to be of good courage because of God, okay, he can take weak vessels, put his treasure in them, and display his glory, and ways that he couldn't if we were all strong and beautiful and put together and uh, so okay so be encouraged by that he says um okay just summarizing verses 13 through 18 uh, he says we have a confident faith um i believed um since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written i believed and so i spoke as we were singing about uh, this morning. I believe, okay. So if we believe in what we've been talking about, how can we not speak? We can't. It's only unbelief that will keep us from speaking, giving testimony to the very person of God, his glory, his plan of salvation, his plan for transforming people into his likeness. It's only if we doubt that that we won't speak. But if we believe, we will speak. And... Paul goes on to say what gives him confidence was the very resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said, uh, uh, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us, bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as, as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. All of this... Uh, um, that's going on here with uh, his life and his afflictions and so on, suffering for Jesus' sake, is also for uh, suffering for the sake of the Corinthians. But he said it's all for the extending of the grace so that the um, thanksgiving might increase to the glory of God. So, so he goes on in verse 16, so we do not lose heart. 
this gives him courage. This gives us courage. We believe, therefore we speak. We see God working to display his glory. How does, and by the way, how does this relate to our purpose statement? It's also in the back of your bulletin. Grace Point exists to display the glory of God in Christ Jesus. Read, read verse 15 with me. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. As, as people are brought to faith in Christ, we speak about it. There's transformation. There's increased uh, thanksgiving, increased glory to God. The glory of God is displayed through this whole cycle. So we do not lose heart. Though our inner, outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This, whatever affliction that we have, and sometimes it's lifelong, but he says it's, it's brief. <laughs> it's, moment, it's momentary in re relation to eternity. And he said, it's, it's light. It really matters nothing. And some of you would appreciate that uh, Eugene Peterson's translation of this, the word light, he says, it's small potatoes. <laughs> it doesn't, there's no value in small potatoes, trust me. But he says, it, it doesn't matter, <laughs> okay. What our bodies are going through, it doesn't really matter, okay, in light of eternity and the eternal weight of glory that's there for us. So he says, be encouraged, be encouraged. Uh, okay. So that really is my, my conclusion. As you, you look at, uh, if you go on into chapter 5, verse 6, uh, he says, so we are always of good courage, we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. But, uh, and so on, this is a whole, uh, quite a passage in itself. But he says, so um, we are always of good courage. So be encouraged. Um, we have been given a glorious ministry, I believe. We are part in that. God is merciful and just granting that, us that privilege. And, uh, and so it's a gift. It's a gift from God that we do not want to take lightly. I think we do not want to uh, ignore. We do not want to uh, question God on that. Okay. So that's, uh, that's what, I, what I have this morning. Let me pray.